Those, those festivals sitting around that 5,000 people mark, which is very much kind of a small festival, which is probably a much better experience for mm. a lot of people, mm. suddenly being hit with the same kind of demands and expectations as Splendour in the Grass or, or mm. Listen Out or something like that. And they, they kind of tried to bring in this high-risk, low-risk kind of medium thing, but in the end, I'm pretty sure everybody's just getting classified as high risk and going through the same system mm. and it's like yes the bills aren't the same like they're not paying two hundred thousand dollars for users pay police or whatever but they're still going to have to end up spending maybe seven or eight grand on on consultants to get all of the paperwork in before they're even being assessed and and if you don't like at the start there is no way we would have been able to do that we were doing everything ourselves and it's like all right we've got 80 grand to run this festival we're not going to make any money out of it whatsoever Fair Food Forager. Changing the way the world eats by making ethical easy. <laughs> that sounds like a very good idea. Fair Food Forager. Hello and welcome to the Fair Food Forager and Friends Show, the podcast brought to you by the Fair Food Forager app the world's only ethical social media and sustainable food directory. You can download it at the Play Store and App Store, register and start sharing your love of the planet while you search for ethical and sustainable food venues. Today's podcast is with the boys from Yours and Ours. Justin Mack and Bellin Jones, among others, started a whole music scene around the Wollongong area but they also went down a path of party with a purpose and zero or minimal waste festivals. And I first attended one of these festivals with the Plastic Free Wollongong crew a few years ago and it was pretty impressive to see how much they reduced the waste. So let's talk waste, let's talk music and let's talk festivals with the boys from Yours and Ours. Hello and welcome to the Fair Food Forager and Friends Show. We have squiggly lines this time because I've remembered to plug in the microphone. <laughs> and today I'm talking to Justin and Ballin from Yours and Ours. And Hello. Justin is well known as the bin chicken apparently. We've done this once but we're going to do it again. <laughs> Where did the bin chicken come from? I can, I can repeat some off-the-cuff banter. Thrown around a few titles, <laughs> sustainability officer, some pretty lofty titles. But when it comes down to to my on the ground actions, it seems that the bin chicken is really the only appropriate title. I think Dale has quite a heroic story to to regale mm. how he donned the term. Mm. <laughs> it was a windy day. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's the. It, it, it is the look of an ibis when you, when you encounter encounter a man with what are the, you know those flap hats at the back that people used to wear in primary school a khaki a khaki flat French engineer hat but he's waist he's waist deep in a three cubic metre skip sorting through cans and old bits of hamburger you think who who is this guy and what's his what's his go sounds like um, dedication totally was was sure. dedication like I, I was. I was impressed, that's for sure. <laughs> you were really impressed going into the festival. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I guess the, the, bin chicken, the bin chicken kind of came from there. And you're just saying that, that perhaps Ibis is your, your spirit animal. Perhaps, yeah. on reflection. Mm. I guess the reason you were in the bin to start off with wasn't just to kind of find some food and you, you, were, no, there, no, you were there for a purpose. You were kind of, you were kind of sorting sorting through and finding out what was what was left in the bins after kind of four or five thousand people had, had their way with it with a park and essentially mm. getting the right bits in the right bits mm. which is the aim of a low to zero waste festival mm. and this is farmer and the owl 2019 yeah yep. and this is a few times in for you yeah. guys doing zero waste festivals yeah for me personally as bin chicken slash 
sustainability slash waste officer. I think it was my fourth. Yeah. Farmer in the Out but, and Yours and Ours Festival, maybe. And then, yeah, my predecessor, Tails, was... Yeah, he, he kind of... Before that, he it's, it all off. It started then, so that was, that was 2018. He started working in Justin's job in 2018, and he did a lot of the kind of groundwork. Um, and I guess he, he was really the one that kind of went, why do we even need red top bins at the festival? We don't like if we can if we can figure out how to not have any kind of um, landfill waste coming in, then why do we need them? We could just get rid of them and make it heaps simpler. Mm. And that kind of kicked off a whole different train of thinking and different kind of research into okay, how how would we actually do that? Do we need a, land, a red landfill bin um, at the event, or can we actually control all of the waste types coming in and have the appropriate kind of measures in place to make sure that we don't end up with landfill waste coming out of the festival. And it, it hasn't happened to its fullest extent yet, but mm. in that year, for example, we introduced a, a food waste policy where all, all, of the, all of the takeaway food containers were compostable food containers. And it wasn't, like, we went, we went quite deep on researching what materials, and we ended up, it was a bag-ass policy, which, so it was all just sugarcane, uh, yep. which is compostable so much easier than, than a lot of the bio bioplastic stuff that, that kind of got around. Mm. What else? Do you guys want a drink, by the way? Um, uh, I'm, I'm good for now, thanks. Yeah? Yeah, I'm okay. Should have said that before. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut that <laughs> yeah, I've got beer too if you want a beer. Oh. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll keep going for now. Okay. Yeah. Just point if you want one. Yeah, because you guys would have been one of the first festivals to, to go down this road. Others have done it since, a, apart from what's the big one up in, in Brizzy? Oh, the, not sure. the one that they have over New Year? Oh, Wood Woodford. Woodford, yeah. Woodford's Woodford been were doing it. Doing it. And, and the Adelaide Womad. Womad. Womad were, were so, we, we, yeah, they were quite a way down the track, Womad, I think, and Woodford as well. Yeah. So. I think others like... Pete's Ridge early oh, on, of course, yeah. and Rainbow Serpent stuff. Rainbow Serpent, they had a yeah. lot of sustainability measures and stuff yep. in place. Mm. I guess ours was kind of the more commercial festival, yeah. where it's kind of hitting that more kind of pop market um, to actually kind of take that and go. Well, this all festivals should be doing it. it shouldn't just be. It shouldn't be just kind of you know the Woodfords and the Womads and the Pete's Ridge is kind of. Mm. Uh, For example, you're you selling. Selling booze and like rainbow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yep, yep, well, yep. you're kind of yours and ours. It's very much a commercial a festival. Event. Yeah, mm. and um, I guess it's trying to bring that like. It's not just a. It's it's still a pop up community, and mm. so how to bring that vibe in and have this thing where certain yeah, it's things are provided by the festival, but and yet. There is onus on the community of the festival to. Mm. It, it takes both working together to get good outcomes for sustainability and mm. whatnot. Just mm. the kind of cool thing about a festival. Yeah, mm. there's a pretty big educational value in it too, isn't it? Because a lot of the people who are coming to the festival aren't going to have this front and center in their mind. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's huge, and I think like. Just with the timing of uh, when all of that was happening and, and like plastic-free Wollongong was kind of really kicking off as well. and Strat was doing those great things down Strat at the Strat was uni doing bar. all of the stuff down mm. at the uni bar. Um, and and it, it, it all just kind of happened. At one, I think it was the same time that plastic bags were being banned from, from Woolworths and Coles um, mm. when that first started. And so there was this real kind of attention on all of those issues and, and it led to some some great changes like Wollongong Council introduced a, a plastic free policy for events and markets mm. after all of that happened you know so and that's still like that's an ongoing thing which yeah it was it was kind of it was great. Mm. Mm. I worked at one of them the yours and ours festivals with Andy and and the plastic free Wollongong oh, yeah. crew yep and I was actually really surprised how little contamination there was with the especially with the cans i think you had green connect going through all the food stuff mm. yeah and we were emptying the the can bins and it 
from what I saw, because they had the the clear bags, mm. yeah, there was it was pretty good. It was pretty good was pretty for good. a festival yeah. when you know because I know council has a lot of issues with public place recycling. Yep, and I think yeah. quite often it's because they complicate it too much. They they make the bins really fancy and. And they're hard to differentiate between regular waste and, and mm. cans and stuff. But the, what was good about the festival was just that there was just a hole in the top of the bin. So mm. pretty hard to get it wrong, really. Yeah. As with festivals, as with society or like a local government area, mm. the really interesting thing why I reckon the festival is such a great place to put... I don't know, make sustainability a goal or, mm. or less waste a goal is like, it, it's like an experiment of a society. You pop up a community for, for three mm. days and you get mm. all the same issues. Like, is it, does, you know, does it come from a top down mm. only? Does it come from the community regulating each other? It's, or like, is it an education problem? Is it a, uh, an enforcement problem, all these things, mm. and it, they all come up in a festival just like they do mm. in a council. And yeah, I guess the, the solution we've found is like it's just the mix of all that. Mm. Like you mm. can go route, you can have heaps of people that care and few people that don't have good education. You can have, but it, in the end, it's you are going to get that mix. Like, and it's, mm. it's but, but as, as, yeah, as soon as it becomes kind of the norm or the expectation to be, you know, putting putting your rubbish in the right bin, putting your recycling where it needs to go, um, bringing, bringing your own keep cup to get a coffee, not just drinking water bottles and throwing it away. It becomes socially regulated, doesn't it? Like it's mm. like, especially in that festival environment where it is intensified and we, we did find like people stopped just throwing cans on the ground. As soon as there's kind of people like with the, with the um, plastic free cruise, there was a couple of festivals where they all had their shirts on. They were walking around with bags and they were actually talking to people, mm. holding out the, their bags and going, yeah, throw your cans in here, guys. Like I, I remember working around on, on one of the events and it was kind of 4 p.m. in the afternoon and there was just no cans anywhere. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like that's so mm. good. That's the perfect outcome. And people people do it because everybody else around them is doing it. It's the same as the COVID stuff. It's like people wearing masks because everybody else around them is wearing masks. And mm. it is it is a bit of an experiment, but mm. I, I think it does kind of kind of wear off or, or at least carry over into people's life to some extent. Hopefully. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I remember at that event that there was, there, as you say, there was very little rubbish around the whole venue mm. it was really only when everyone left the kind of the mosh area i guess yeah, yeah. yeah. but that's yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah and ziggy butts was actually the hardest one wasn't it really to oh. to figure out like bigger bigger items cans and things like that is it was a was kind of mm. a bit yeah. more straightforward but what to do with ziggy butts yeah there are some certain certain waste sources that yeah. just we spoke about mm. for a year trying to figure out what to do with city butts or what yeah. to do with cable ties. And mm. They're just certain things that are always going to be there. They're yeah. always going to be a problem. Yeah. yeah. But you did pretty well. How, how much did you reduce the waste of the festival or, or was, you know, recycled or composted or whatever? It was pretty huge, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was about 85 to 90% diversion yeah. rate. Yeah. So. That's pretty much. It was massive. pretty good. And there was just it was just like those there was those few little items at the end where the, the fence scrimming has always been another one where we've yeah. tried lots of different solutions, cable ties, mm. um, cigarette butts. Um, and there's always this kind of issue of, of of like safety and security versus sustainability and a lot of the old heads in the in the event kind of world. They just don't understand. They're like, no, you can't do that. It's not safe or you need to have this because of, of some reason and it's actually trying to change their mentality on how they do things. Mm. Yeah. Quite different. Yeah, I guess that was the most most stress, stressful part really is like how far do you push this before the whole environment becomes a little bit toxic and your event manager goes, no, not working here anymore because you guys don't do things safely or you focus too much on uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's definitely been a little bit of a, a balancing act, but 
Yeah. A lot of the musicians are starting to get into this sort of stuff too, aren't they? Oh, totally. And mm. I think that, yeah, that, that helps massively as well. It's mm. like everybody's, the important people involved, their mentality is, is changing and everybody else around them starts to follow, follow suit. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's unreal. And then we talked before about this, the whole COVID thing and getting through festivals in 2021 because yep. 2020 was a bit of a, just you, you right didn't on. really know what mm. was going on and, and now in 2021, how, how's it looking? I know a few people that have got tickets. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess all of this talk's just making me go, holy shit, what are we doing with waste this year? <laughs> because I've just been so distracted with COVID safety that waste has kind of taken a bit of a back seat, which is terrible because it's like, you know, you want every year you want to be kind of making making improvements. So I guess the answer is we're still not entirely sure what we're doing with 2021. Well, hopefully we'll try and, try and do it in April. If they say we can't do it, we'll just probably just push it back to October and a, a missed a year. Either way, I mean, the more time we have to try and solve these problems, the better the event's going to be. So, yep. um, At yeah. this stage, it's happening At this in stage, April. it's happening April 17th. And 18th, yep. Yeah. Until we hear otherwise from New South Wales government. So. With reduced numbers? And no, numbers are actually increased from, from last year, but yeah. we, are, we are looking at a few strategies to kind of comply with the public health order and... and um, you know, mean that we can actually go ahead with it, with the numbers we've got, as opposed to to just having to postpone it. But mm. We'll see. And uh, the the musicians would be hanging out to come along. Oh, I think every, they're they're so keen to play. Like people are really missing missing live music. Yeah. You know? and talking to a couple of guys that that are like booking shows regularly at La La's um, year round and booking the festival as well. They're just like. Everyone's just all the local. The only people wanting to play at the moment are the locals, and even there, kind of, they paid played four or five gigs in the last couple of months, and they're just getting a bit over it as well. But for everybody else, it's like playing to people sitting down in a quarter filled room. Mm. It's just not really worth the travel time and and the whole experience, especially if you're kind of more of a, a band band, a heavy band or something like that, mm. playing to a sitting down room, bringing that energy, and then not having that kind of normal kind of intensity and experience that you get from a live music show. Mm. So the, the artists and the fans, are, I think they're so keen, especially to get back into a festival environment where they've got 15,000 people just cheering them on. And, yep. Um, and so the festival won't out. have to be a seated festival? Hopefully not, no. I think if we had to do it seated, we'd probably make the decision to postpone it yep. as opposed to trying to, trying to do it in that. But, mm. but you never know. I mean... Picnic rugs and sitting on the ground—it's mm. not a bad experience. Mm. Like a lot of events, that's that's what people want to do anyway. Yeah. If, if if it means that there's no big mosh pit, but there's certain areas where people can go and dance and mm. stuff like that, I think we'll do our best to make sure the festival is enjoyable, even if it's not a normal, a normal kind of um, festival that people are used to. And I think like like everything that's happened with this COVID stuff, it's like. Some of those, some of those things that come out of it will probably be really positive, uh, and they might stay. And, and others, of course, will just be like, "It was a COVID thing. Let's get over it and do something else now." Let's talk a little bit about this whole yours and ours thing. Where did it come yeah, from, and sure. what? We started in, in two thousand and ten. I finished uni the year before, um, and then gone away traveling to spend a year kind of overseas in South America and Europe. Got back, really didn't want to walk, go into a nine to five. I guess we were, we were filled with the enthusiasm of you can take on the world and do what you want and, and why don't you just do it? And we didn't really want to, I think neither of us wanted to leave Wollongong either. Like we, we, we love the place, we grew up here. But there was just kind of lacking that zest and that, that kind of fun that, that mm. we wanted. So we... we <laughs> We, and then at that time, ben, ben had been booking shows. He'd already been booking shows for a couple of years and we'd all known each other for, for years. We grew up to each other, grew up with each other in the northern suburbs. Um, and he wanted to get involved as well and we, we started a little cafe on, on Kembla Street that very, very quickly started selling liquor and started doing shows and 
Um, and next thing you know, it's kind of five nights a week and there's 20 bands coming through every, every week. Um, yeah, and then, and then we kind of, we started, we were across from the Wollongong Town Hall and so we started doing a, a few bigger shows. There was a few bands that came through and they did, they do multiple nights, sell it out, gone on, gotten bigger and bigger, still wanting to come back to Wollongong and play. And they're really, it was just after the Oxford Tavern had, had closed mm. down and there really wasn't much going on in the live music scene in Wollongong at all. Um, so we kind of became a bit of, bit of a hub, I guess, for it. Mm. And then it was, it wasn't like, it kind of morphed into very much a younger, younger generation, like a younger people's hangout spot, especially when it, when Rad came along and it, it really much kind of defined itself as in certain kind of musical genres and things like that. But when mm. we first started, you know, you'd have the folk, folk festival crew coming through on one night, you'd have the con, like uh, Wollongong con, the con kind of coming through and there was, there was just different crowds of people. You'd have old, older kind of rockers that, that were out there in Wollongong and then you'd have the punks come through and then you'd have the young kind of indie kids in there as well. So it was a real mix of just pretty much anyone who wanted to play a show. It was the only place, which was, it made it really interesting. Mm. Um, so after but, your trip, after you went, you were in South America, yep. you came back and there was, there wasn't really any venues so you, per, you, you were just renting we rented, that cafe. Yeah, we, we just rented rented yeah. that little. It was place. a tiny little space it was, too. It wasn't was it? tiny. Yeah. yeah, it was tiny. Yeah, we rented it, and we 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 started it. We didn't start it with the intention of throwing music in there. So, if we if we thought we were going to run a music venue, we probably wouldn't have chosen that particular location at mm. all. But in the end, it was like it was it was great to watch shows there. Yeah, know? that's yeah. kind of what made it cool. And- yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the main the main band room just had these excessively high ceilings and this weird corridor through one side that led to the to the shop in the front. So and then that kind of had a platform where you're only about a meter from the roof. So people would just kind of climb up on there, be watching shows up there. They had a stairwell that went up the side which again people would just be all the way up hanging over and then the band were just right there in in the the pit and people were like staring staring the artist in the face pretty much. Mm. And I think, yeah, you, you hear different people talk about it, and that intensity of being so close to the crowd is not something you always get, get mm. from a show. And um, Yeah, that's, that small gig kind of thing. It, it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. It's, mm. And then the sound was fantastic. You know, when everyone is full and the room's booming, it's just like around you everywhere. Yeah, it was a pretty know. good vibe in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it definitely could be. And what? so it became Rad Bar. Yep. Yeah, so Dan started working for us probably in the last six months um, that we had it. Um, ben had a, had his car accident. That was kind of October 2013, and we we weren't making any money. We'd spent three years just every night of our life kind of just well, – not every night of our life, but pretty much most of them working in there. You'd have a day off and you'd just like – go out and do things, you're like, oh, shit, nothing in my bank account kind of thing. So we were all pretty over it. Um, we were drinking our profits pretty much. That was probably the worst of it every night in there. <laughs> so so it got to that point. Ben had his car accident and we, we got totally fed up with the things. Like, we can't, we can't keep doing this. It's going to kind of destroy our friendship or it's going to lead to something worse than what's happened to him. Um tried to sell it and then nobody was really that interested but then Dan kind of put his hand up and he's like I'll I'll do it I, I want to do it so yeah. and he he kept that thing alive like he he had a go I don't know it must have been five years or something until they took the building over and, and demolished it mm. and he managed just to kind of get it set I don't think he was making any money either but he he kind of kept it running and it, and it was it was essential like it was it was such an important part of the festival mm. that kind of went on after that Without having that venue there in some capacity, I don't think things would have got to the point where they are where they are now. It wasn't uncommon to see a crowd outside. Yep, they're waiting to get in or coming out after a show. Yep, it was so popular. And yep. as you say, at that time there was very little live music in Wollongong. Was, with, that was kind of that coming out of that whole nightclub period, wasn't it? Where everything in Wollongong was just a nightclub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think that people it was right on the edge of kind of the small bar thing happening. Mm. So when we first started there was Otis Bar, which was the, the 
precursor to Little Prince, which mm. yep. and that was up um, on the corner of Crown Street upstairs where Humbar is now, ah. and that was a great little bar. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Louise, the lady who who ran that, she was she was from Melbourne. She came up and we 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 worked with her a lot actually at the start, like when we took getting our license and just kind of sorting things out. And she was fantastic. She was just bringing that Melbourne kind of edge and energy to it and just going, yeah, let's do it. Let's get stuff, cool stuff happening happening in this town, you know. Mm. And then from there it kind of started. We opened up um, and then there was just a bunch of kind of other little bars that kind of happened from there and, and everything started to change. People started to get fed up with the RDL, the, the kind of the, the old Wollongong nightlife kind of scene. Yeah, and, yeah. The stinky carpets and the ten dollar kind of packaged drinks and things like that. Mm. Um, and how yeah. did you keep? How did you keep operating? Like with when Ben had his accident, what, what we kind of had it. We had a little. Then? We had a bit of a hiatus. Uh, so we, yeah, we got rid of the cafe. Adam went back to working at the bottle shop at Thoreau. I, I started doing some rehab consulting work. And we kind of had this period where we just didn't really do anything. And it, it was, well, I guess we were thinking, oh, yeah, it's done. That's the end. We're not going to be doing anything else kind of thing. At, at that point, nobody was really going, yes, let's plan a festival and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, ben was in hospital for about eight months. And while he was up there, I think he just eventually just got fed up and started working again. Mm-hmm. And he actually planned the very first Farmer in the Owl festival. He'd started Farmer in the Owl in that time as well. So that's... Jeb Taylor at Music Farmers, who's also run record labels in the past as well. And those two got together and they're like, yeah, let's launch a record label. So Ben was doing all of this from his laptop in the, in the hospital room. And then they planned the first Farmer in the Owl Festival, which is out at the uni, I think, November 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And for that one, wow. that one, I, I wasn't really that involved at all. I just remember cooking sausage sandwiches and we were like the only food stall at the thing and <laughs> dressed up in some ridiculous costume. I can't remember why. But that was about the extent of my involvement. And then so after that, that was kind of like, okay, that was kind of actually fun. It could work. And and we decided to just throw a, a birthday party for yours and Al. So it was a kind of like 2014, October. It would have been the fourth birthday of, of yours and Al's kind of starting. Yeah. And that, that was down at Stuart Park. And so that was the very first festival. That was year one. Um, How big was that? wasn't very big. It was, that was, oh, I guess it was, there was two and a half thousand people. So at the time it was like, oh, my God, this is insane. Mm. And we, we weren't equipped to kind of do it at all. Like we had no experience. <laughs> and like we would. A little looser set up and packed out. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, like electrical boards that was just an old bit of plywood where somebody had kind of just screwed in some kind of three phase inputs into them and stage that's kind of, oh, the stage was crazy. It was like, you know, those workhorses. You know, the, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, the base of the stage was just held up with about 15 of those and then it was just <laughs> plywood on the top and it was just like, oh, my God. Like engineering certificates and occupational health and safety in high-vis vests, that was not on the radar whatsoever. And I've thought about it heaps in the last, last little while, especially with all the kind of the festival regulation changes. We would never have got started now, mm-hmm. never. Like we wouldn't have had the money wouldn't have had the expertise. We would never have got off the ground, you know. Mm. And it was only because we we kind of there was less regulations and we could do it in the way that we did it. And we're lucky that no one got hurt. Like those things are around for a reason. Mm. But but how do you allow small events and sm- like operators with no experience, but with the kind of the passion and the and the kind of you know drive to actually get off the ground if they don't have few hundred thousand dollars behind them kind of thing so Mm -hmm. i don't don't know it's a real it's kind of a big big challenge that the industry needs to look at and go if we're regulating so intensely we've got to have some kind of room for for new people coming into the industry to grow Mm. um yeah often in in any industry like regulations can favor just the bigger players totally yeah it's like if you're not being this free market everything advocate it's like it's a real tough one mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 is there any opportunity for grants or anything if someone wanted to start something like this or would it, it would be a more a local 
like if a local council wanted to it'd help, be, yeah, it'd be yeah, more of a that. more of a local council, and and to get to get grant grant funding, you'd have to have a very, very much a kind of on point PC kind of theme, and it's fitting whatever the government agenda is at the time mm. to kind of go, yeah, we're meeting all of your directives, which mm. in some ways might kind of you know taint or change what the what the original intention for having it having a mm. festival. Certainly, a state or federal grant because they want to crush all dissent and fun forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was all there was a lot of stuff with festivals. Just what maybe it would have been about twenty eighteen when they brought in all the these the regulations, and that was hurt a lot of festivals, didn't it? That that was pretty yeah, much yeah, the end of things time. like Pete's Ridge and yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's like that kind of you know those those festivals sitting around that five thousand people mark which is very much kind of a small festival which is probably a much better experience for mm. a lot of people mm. suddenly being hit with the same kind of demands and expectations as splendor in the grass or or mm. um listen out or something like that and they, they kind of tried to bring in this high risk low risk kind of medium risk thing but in the end i'm pretty sure everybody's just getting getting kind of classified as high risk and going through the same system mm. and it's like yes the bills aren't the same like they're not paying two hundred thousand dollars for users pay police or whatever but they're still going to have to end up spending maybe seven or eight grand on on consultants to get all of the paperwork in before they're even being assessed and and if you don't like at the start we were there is no way we would have been able to do that we were doing everything ourselves and it's like all right we've got 80 grand to run this festival we're not going to make any money out of it whatsoever mm. We've just got to, we've just got to hustle in every single every single thing we're doing and cut corners and and, and cut costs and things like that mm. just to make it happen, kind of thing. Which so. is unfortunate because sort of coming back to that regulation versus community in certain areas, some of those smaller festivals, are, you know, they do do amazing things. The communities mm. that put mm. those on, you know, it's really safe and inclusive and. Yep. Really good sustainability, a lot of them. So when they, so they're sort of self-regulating in a lot of aspects, mm. and then when there's mm. these sort of top-heavy things coming in, costs, then those sort of potentially important cultural yeah. aspects don't get to happen. And mm. yeah, yeah, I rem I remember being up at a forum when all of this was going on up in Sydney, and. Um, Rod Cork and the guys that from the Illawarra Folk Festival were up there as well. And everyone else is kind of, you know, in the coming at it from a totally different angle. They're just kind of this big commercial operators going, oh, have you put ticket rebates on, on it? We're going to charge, blah, 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 blah. And then Rod Cork and the Folk Festival guys just kind of started coming in and going, we're a festival run by volunteers. We're all 50 or 60 years old. Everybody does the right thing because they're sensible and they know, and it's just this totally different way of doing things. It's mm. like, you guys are going to send us broke. We've been going for 25 years, mm. and if you bring in these changes, we're going to be done. Mm. And and everyone was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, festivals just aren't young people taking drugs, you know. Festivals mean a lot of different things to a lot of different yeah. people. You don't come out of festivals making a lot of money, do you? Like, you can. You really can. Yeah. And that's where, like, people when you get into that big end of the town, you, you totally can get into mm. it. But, yeah, I guess it's like what what is a festival at the end of the day? Like what is it actually doing? What does it represent? Mm. Um, and so for me, even though we're a commercial we're a commercial festival and we're much more commercial than a lot of the like things like Rainbow Serpent and a lot of people would kind of stick their nose up at yours and ours, as the organiser of that thing, I've always tried to kind of go, what is a festival actually doing and how do we represent a coming together of the community to have a celebration, you know? Mm. It's like we're not, yeah, we're there to sell, like we sell booze, we make money out of booze. That's how we've got off the ground and how we've got here. But how do we make sure that we are in some ways representing the community that's coming to celebrate celebrate mm. us? And, and I think that's in some ways and everyone's going to have a different opinion, but that, that has been the success of the festival mm. and the reasons why we're doing things like Party With A Purpose and, mm. uh, and the sustainability campaigns because it matters to people here. People no, care about it. They want to get behind it. Like, Yeah, it's become like a bit of a cool little cultural force and, yeah, like you guys didn't have to do all that. You could have just 
yeah. made coin and could have made coin, but it probably it wouldn't have been it probably wouldn't have been as good as it is, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, the last one I went to was the the sunny afternoon yep. one, and I can't believe how nice that that whole thing was. Mm. It was so chilled. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was there. Were families there? Mm. You know, people are just hanging out, having a few drinks. Well, I didn't see one argument. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. You know, so that so you're obviously doing something right when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you expect to see some sort of some kind rough, of roughness yeah, yeah, at a yeah. festival, but and when, when you bring lots of people into a confined space mm. there's always that kind of feeling of like oh you know I'm, there's people around me there's going to be lines there's bustling and so yeah. i mean we 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 want to make it a fun time you know and i guess yeah. as as all of us are getting a little bit older too it's like okay what how can you actually just enjoy music in a way that's it doesn't have all of those negative kind of mm. experiences mm. because going to a festival can be horrible sometimes. Like mm. I, don't, I don't really go, like I wouldn't really choose to go, but standing outside with a, with a huge sound system where you're feeling everything and you're watching an amazing band and the sun's setting, it's just like, well, yeah, okay, this is pretty cool. Like yeah. there's, there's some really good things about yeah. that experience. It can but. be a gathering and just a, a gathering of freedom and expression, mm. a little mini community where it's safe to, yeah. Enjoy mm. life. Mm. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. Aim, yeah. Yeah. In a, in a safe and good yeah. way. So it's always been this tough balance for me between kind of professionalism and, and you know, honing a, a product for sale as opposed to kind of, you know, feeling like we're part of a, a community and we're bringing a community gathering together. It's like, how do you balance those two up? And especially mm. as, it, as it grows, like, because I think it's just, it's, it's, so important. The festival will die if you don't do that. You know, if you don't, mm. if you don't kind of have that kind of grounding in in your local area, it's mm. what's the point? You know? Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty beneficial for the local area. Like it, it brings a lot of people into into in this case Wollongong. Yep. And all the festivals that you run would be bringing people from Sydney and and people from out in the country yep. to come and stay in Wollongong and spend money in Wollongong. So that's that's one benefit. Yep. Who come up with a party with a purpose? Is that is that you guys specifically, or is that run by other festivals as well? No, no, that's us. So that was that was just. I think it might have even been Brooke Taylor who came up with yep. the slogan. I'm not sure. So she works in our marketing team. It just kind of it, it kind of came out of. Initially, it was more of, of of like you know, kind of out of the Me Too thing. I think. To start off with, like, like how, and and I think they kind of started at Northgong and in some of the venues where it's like, how do people expect to be treated, and and how can you kind of go out and have a good time, mm. and not not kind of offend people or not feel like you're 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 under threat from from other people or ideas or, or whatever, and then that obviously got extended to the environmental thing as well. It's like, how can you go out and have a good time? And, and not come home and everything's trashed, you know, like... Yeah, that's, because it's not it. just the, uh, like, purposes in sustainability. There's... I actually wrote them down here. So it's things like no means no. Yep. Be respectful of boundaries and personal space. Help each other. Keep up the H2O. Be mindful of our neighbours when entering and exiting the venue. Yeah, Respectfully. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of things that it's about... The whole experience being not a nightmare, as you, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, everyone. Yeah, for so, everyone, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah, and I guess that's like you know the social regulation that we we're talking about before. It's like when governments are coming in and regulating. Yes, it's good for for things that are really kind of causing problems at a as a at a kind of extreme end of the spectrum, but we were already trying to do this in a way which we felt was going to be so much more beneficial and that people were going to actually listen to us. So mm. a good example is we got we got kind of classified as a high-risk festival after all of this happened. And I put a, put a huge argument to them saying, if you classify us at a, at a high-risk festival, this is going to result in, in negative kind of, a certain kind of public perspective mm. of what this event actually represents. Mm. And it's going to be thousands of 18 and 19 year olds taking heaps of drugs and getting themselves into trouble just because that's what the whole campaign of high risk festivals was. And that's where it, where it all kind of came from. And it's like, we've been working so hard 
to change that perception in mm. so many other ways. And just by you going out and the media kind of going, oh, yours and ours is a high-risk festival, it's going to undo a lot of those changes. And that public perception about what that, what that event represents is going to shift. And they just came back going, oh, yeah, we know what you mean. We're working on a better definition than high-risk music festival, but you're still going to be a high-risk music <laughs> But um, But, you know, if that, if that regulation wasn't there, if there wasn't that kind of sense of we need to control every aspect of it, when you do have people that have got half a brain and that do want to do good and, mm. and make sure people have a good time, that ends up happening, happening naturally. Like nobody mm. likes to – like I still see it. You walk around and you see like – the young girl or the young guy is kind of hanging their head and a bit of vomit there and it's just like, all right, it's like they're trashed, you know? Yeah. And that's the whole thing we're, we're trying to, to to kind of kind of change a little bit. Mm. It's, kind of, it's like, I guess the whole cultural thing in Australia, we have this, we're a drinking country mm. and there are problems with that that, that yeah. come up as violence as sexual assault and all these things and that can't just be solved by it has to be solved by the community actually wanting to not be like that we, mm. we sort of have this thing where we're like oh the bloody nanny state but yeah we don't take responsibility for our own actions mm. in a lot of ways and we mm. do these things and that's why nanny state things happen like king's cross getting closed down yeah mm. and so that's why yeah it's so this part the party for the purpose and it's like well we want a good culture where we take responsibility for ourselves and each other but can still have a really good time and we can mm. we are adults we can have alcohol we can dance we can party mm. but our brothers and sisters we're doing it with the safe mm. and pick up our shit at the end yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know? yeah 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 and i guess that that probably has it it's coming out more and more now and and i know I think it was like a year or two ago at, um, it might have been Splendor and there was all the, you know, with the rubbish left behind and everyone was blowing up about, you know, yeah, what, a, what a mess it was. Yeah. But as far as like the, that, that binge drinking culture as well, you, go, you start the festival off, any festival, and it's day one lunchtime and there's people already just finished. Mm probably headed to hospital and it's like you just you paid 300 bucks or something to get mm. to this festival you're not going to see any of it mm. so that sort of thing and that message just and other people wanting to do the right thing do you think that can have an impact what? it is crazy that we can't just kind of pace ourselves a little bit isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, some people it's definitely happening though already like we've we've seen the change even in like the the very few years that we've been running from when we started and even thinking about myself when I was going to a festival when I was mm. younger compared to 18-year-olds coming now. And I think a lot of it is that they're always accountable for their action. People are taking photos. Like they'll wake up in the morning if they've done something stupid. Everybody that knows about it, everyone's seeing it on yeah, their feed. Yeah, that's and, true. Um, like that, I think that has a huge, huge role role in, in, in that. But... And just education as well with with drinking water and as, yeah, as well yeah, yeah. And, and eating exactly. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, because yeah. it's kind of a release, isn't it? Everyone's you know hanging out for the festival to begin. Yeah, and then they walk in the door and it's bang, 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 bang and bang, then bang, yeah. three hours later it's all over. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's like you know obviously the role of the festival is to make sure everyone is safe. So yeah. if, if people do do that, then all the things are there, the St. John's is there. And, yep. And on top of that, there's a, hopefully a culture where no one takes advantage of anyone in that state or that they look out for them. And, mm. you know, and that's the ultimate too. Yeah. It's like a, a community safety net and then the safety net provided by yep. the festivals. So, yeah. Yeah, it's such a great message, but that whole, that whole list of things and they're, they're common sense, but I guess if you keep repeating them and people start to get it people mm. people get it yeah. yeah and you have the last time you had the the drug testing tent as well yep. people could go and how would how did that go it was pretty oh, popular so we, we didn't we didn't have we haven't had the testing like where people would go and test their their drugs or anything we've never had that it's still illegal in new south wales as far as i know they mm. did it down in the act mm. um 
but yeah, no, the, the, the directive from the New South Wales police is we are 100% anti-drugs and we will continue to put uh, sniffer dogs at the front entrances and write out tickets to anyone holding, holding drugs, you know. So mm. New South Wales is definitely kind of a bit behind mm. in, in what's going on with that. Um, that whole war on drugs just sticking with the, the thing that's never worked and... Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Let's continue to persecute and not actually understand what the underlying reasons for people doing this are, and just going yeah. it's bad without thinking and if about you, the problem. Like, yeah, and if you keep it just enforcing it, and and it's still people are still doing it, then it's obvious that yeah, that's, that's right. not the tactic it's that's going to keep yeah make anything different. Yeah, and you guys also. Uh, you manage musicians as well. That's part of what yours and L's do. Yeah, not yeah. Me, not me personally, but mm. um, yeah, I guess across yours and L's, Farmer and the Owl, bunch of other kind of independent people doing their thing. We're kind of doing most most jobs in the music industry, I guess. Mm. Booking agents are booking musicians for other festivals and. And venues yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you're so, doing that too? That or yours and ours are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yours and ours. Yeah, they're, they're booking booking artists for venues or for for other festivals if if they want that. Yeah, the, the farmer and the Alba labels kind of they've probably got about six or seven signings now. Most of them are all all local. They're just kind of chipping along, and mm. some things happen slow. Some things happen fast. It just depends on on where the focus is at the time and what's going on and, uh, but yeah kind of got fingers in in a lot of those different different things so. are you connected to the university as well in any way you've had quite you know you yeah, use yeah. their their venues and the yeah so so ben's ben and yours now is a book book shows out at the university for the last six years or something pretty mm. yeah probably since 2012 or something like that and Strat, who's now running La La's, which is, I guess has taken the place of Rad in Wollongong, he was the he was the manager out there for a long time. And I think that his passion for music and his kind of personality infused the whole kind of scene for a long time as well. So when we first started doing the festival, he was in there. That's where you started. Mm. That's where you would have got involved from yeah, as set, well. Yeah, set up some bar work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so again, yeah, I guess there was just kind of there was was a, I guess a bit of a community of people who were just working and, and doing it mm. year round, um, and that's again like it's a fundamental thing for for the success and the growth of the festival is that year round there was people that were employed in these jobs who then could come come to the festival and actually had a bit of experience on on how to run it, you know, mm. and we never. It wasn't until we got to a certain scale that we kind of had to step step outside of that network and kind of find more experienced people and bring them in from Sydney, you know. Mm. By that time, there was quite a lot of kind of experienced workers down here come and do the job, which just is which is cool. Friends and the Unibar crew. and Yeah, you know, and we were all just yeah. kind of figuring it out as we went along and growing yeah. at the right pace for, for where we were at. It's kind of always challenging and pushing it forward, but without going too far and tipping over the edge. Yeah. There was a few moments where I was I kind of almost had a meltdown, thought we pushed it too far without the right kind of experience and expertise here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so it's really, it, it's, a, you know, a couple of mates that have a passion for, for music and in particular live music. Yep. And then you just sort of team up with other people who have a similar passion and then it's Pretty just much, grown yeah. into all these little kind of fingers all around Wollongong and created this whole sort of cultural shift in Wollongong's Christmas. Yeah, Wollongong's Christmas. Yeah. Christmas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, there's no one dressed up in Santa outfits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how did you get involved, Justin? I was mates with the guys, and probably first got involved from I was working at the uni bar, and then I would do set up and pack down and. Mm -hmm. at the bar when they first started. That's how that's how I got involved, pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And mm. you, you every event you were just there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was a little bit like that. Doing like, the setup yeah. as my last year, and then Val was like, 
Well, Tails was quick. We're going to need a sustainability officer. Yeah. Well, he was, he, and he was, he was like, "Well, what about what about Jazzy fit the fit the mould?" So, had you studied anything environmental? Or? Yeah. I'd, so I got a degree in ecology from Wollongong Uni, and yeah, work. I was work. Yeah, I've been working in like I used to work for the Department of Fisheries and doing research, or and then and then I went overseas and worked in Vietnam, then came back. There was a period where I was a little underemployed, and then I went back and started working at the Unibar, mm. and then probably did a fest, did a festival set up and packed down, and then day. sort of since then, even if I've had a job or not, then I worked for environment consultancy, and now I'm at council, and mm. I've still just found found a week or two for the festival, and yeah, yeah, or yeah. the like the peak of when I was doing the the waste stuff with bowels part-time at the council and doing a day a week yeah yeah yep. where we ponder the big questions about sustainability in the world and <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what to do with cigarette butts and yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were you doing in vietnam i worked for fisheries over there doing like climate change adaption and resilience stuff for fisheries in vietnam wow or looking at that yep like in yeah. the mekong yeah, well, it was kind of just the fisheries and agriculture sector, ah. and because you know they're like us, very vulnerable to climate change mm. because so many people rely on fish. There, it's like one of the main protein sources, and and not to mention just all the storms and mm. yeah, just so yeah, it was sort of looking at that. It was that when vulnerability assessment and adaptation was pretty big. There was a lot of research and stuff going along on with that several countries in and around the world or developing countries rather so yeah that's that's kind of what i did there difficult to get a lot done it was yeah. an interesting place to work like, yeah where were you based uh in hanoi in hanoi okay yeah. yep but um, yeah really, really interesting good. yep yeah and now you're at shell harbour council yeah yeah <laughs> pretty good pretty good yeah different different uh environment to be working in but yeah. um yeah, Shell Harbour's got some good stuff going on. We just declared net zero by 2050. Yeah. Community and, and operational emissions and, yeah, got some got some good sustainably things going mm. on down there, trying. No fish? Not much fish stuff. Though the, the catchment management plan's been all done with it in conjunction with Wollongong Council. Yeah. So there'll be a big focus on that mm. for the next foreseeable future, which is really good. Mm. Yeah. And and then aside from trying to get through the festival in April, what's ahead for for yours and ours? Big, that's bigger the, plans? Yeah, or? that's what we've been working on at, at the moment. It's just like, what do we do after we get to do the festival? And kind of trying to starting to put some some more solid ideas on paper and some plans in in place. But um, mm. it's very much it's 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 not certain yet. So mm. there's a few few great great things in in the pipelines for sure that. Mm. Over the next six months, we'll kind of start to start to show there. Because prior to this whole to the whole COVID thing, you were doing those. You had yours and ours. Yep. You had sunny afternoon. You had farmer and the owl. You yep. had those those smaller festivals that were at the the university the innovation campus. Yeah. So I think we we kind of we really went went hard on the outdoor event thing while mm. we were learning how to do it. Yep. Um, it's not something that we're going to keep doing. It's just it's so much work, and every time it's just so so risky, and mm. just just being outside, you know, you're running an outdoor event. It's like mm. we had we had the big top up at the Innovation mm. Campus in August, and we got those August winds come through, <laughs> yeah. and the whole thing collapsed. Like, oh really? Yeah, it came down. It's just like this. It's just one of those things. It's like you want it. You want when you do it, you want to do it really, really well, and you want to focus a lot of attention on it and make it really good. But it's not something that I'd need to do very often. So yeah. kind of focusing <laughs> attention on more sustainable work practices, I guess. Yeah, sustainable lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there could be more than than music, or it'll be still wrapped around music. I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess we're, we're like. It'll all. I think our folk, yours and ours focus will will always be music, but developing that kind of community side, and and I guess like um, community participation, 
in the festival to help kind of continue to evolve the festival is something that I'm really interested in. So just kind mm. of been looking at that more and more and thinking what would be the best kind of structure or format or platform to launch. So mm. something like Party With A Purpose, for example, formalizing it more under, under a not-for-profit structure where you can be using it to collaborate with other partners, seek funding, kind of distribute it in ways that kind of help these smaller little projects grow and, and develop and, and kind of, uh, I guess, sustain the, that community ecosystem as, as best it can. Yeah. Um, whether, whether that's something we get off the ground or not, I'd love to. It could be, could be two years, could be six months, don't mm. know, just really... We really kind of got to get one more festival out of the way and out of this COVID kind of bubble, and then we can we can settle set, settle in and kind of put our heads together and go all right. Let's all of these other ideas we've had. How do we make them happen? Mm. Um, when we had the Peloton screening in Wollongong, yeah, and you yeah. had that that little uh, event at the North Gong, that was all that was all promoted around party with a purpose as well. Yeah. And we we're all we we're all supposed to ride. A few people oh, chickened yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There was there was a couple of us. <laughs> I can't remember what that it was, was. Was that for the it was Fringe Festival or? It was like one of the big North Gong Sundays that Shirley would put on. Yes, but then was there something more? Was there something else going on then too? Or I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. It was mm. it was Plastic Free Wollongong was involved with that as well. Yeah, it was. But I was just wondering if that's kind of what you're headed for, more like promoting smaller events like that with a. With a party with a purpose kind of banner around ah, it. Ah, right, yeah. Um, I think people I think, were selling things as well. There was like little stalls there. Yeah, I can't. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, because there was the um, what's the his, hidden what's his name? Hidden there. Harvest were there, and then yeah. who's the guy making the plast the earrings out of recycled the jewelry? Oh, Aristo. Aristo. Um, yeah, Aristo was Tom. there with his photos. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. It was. It might have been. It might have just been some kind of launch. Like mm. we, it might Maybe have been. It was party with a purpose launch, and yeah, and very much could have been. Launch. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, yeah, it was all tied in, and and that was kind of launching. And I think we launched the local and and all of these kind of other little initiatives that were going on at the festival, mm. and we used that as the that, that yeah, pretty much could have right. been it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at doing another another film as well in, but in New oh, South cool. Wales. Oh wow. Because it's probably not worth trying to organise anything anywhere else, and uh, and yeah, maybe we could we could work with you guys. Like if we yeah. if we we'll do a ride again, cool. but if we we'll probably ride through Wollongong, whether we do like Byron to Canberra or Byron to Eden or something like that, yeah, and just yeah. meet people along the way. So it'd be good to meet up with you guys. That'd be great. It was uh, I don't know if we've missed the boat or not, but you know how the cycle. Yeah, competitions coming one. I think I might have sent you an email for about it. Yeah, I think I put in for that grant. Oh, you did. Didn't, didn't I get didn't anything. Get no. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, this, it's maybe not, not just not normal. the thing that they want. It's a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to when you have a vision for something. That's why I like the way you guys have come up with this kind of small vision, and it's just grown all these arms. Yep. But it's it's very hard to, when you've got a vision for something, to make other people understand if they don't have that same vision, yeah, especially sure. if they're handing out money. Yep. Yeah, yeah. especially if they're handing out money. Because quite yeah, it's often they be don't. their vision, don't it? You've got to yeah, kind of reinterpret yeah. your vision to suit them. I've got to get better at that, looking at their grant and then writing what they want. Yeah. Because quite often they so sort of hard. give it away, I guess. But yeah, when you're like, oh, that's... Sort of not really what I want to do, but I want no, the money. At all. I want the money. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of opportunities, though. Nevertheless, yeah, we've gone down a lot of those rabbit holes in the past, especially with councils. Like they had a bunch of money to do. That was when we were doing the Fringe Festival, and it was kind of like we had a couple of ideas. We're like, yeah, this would be really good. We'll do it like this, and then they'd kind of be like. Uh, okay, sounds pretty good, but we're thinking a little bit more like this, and then the end product kind of just gets contorted into this weird thing that's trying to mix their ever-changing list of of what they think needs to happen, which one year might be a focus on technology, and then the next year might be something completely different, and it's really got no grounding in much at all, other than yeah. something somebody at council might have heard on the talk that they've been listening to on the weekend or something at least that's how it seems it might be a little bit more sophisticated in their planning department in their events department i don't know 
But yeah, it never never seems to work. Never seems to go anywhere and keep going. That's what we found anyway. Mm. And it's been very hard to convince people to give us money to do what we want to do. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time, they're like, "No, you can come and do do something else." But if you're going to do what you you're going to do, we're not going to give you money to do it. So yeah, and I guess if you if in the beginning you waited for something like that to come along, where you needed a council's approval or a council's money, yep. then it, it might not ever have happened. But because you you just you had this vision and you started, yeah. here you are now. Yeah, 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 that's right. But yeah, like, with, the, with the fest to get the festival, like nowadays to get the festival off, like we were talking about before with the regulation thing, we would have to have either started with a bunch of money, borrowed a bunch of money from somewhere or kind of, did a little concept run where we got enough together to do something and then then tried to get people to invest and, and mm. that kind of way, which um, thankfully we never had to do that. But what we did have to do was cut corners and we're probably really lucky that it didn't lead into a situation where somebody got seriously hurt or something really bad happened. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess Ben, ben got seriously hurt. It's another, another story. But, um, yeah, I don't know how you do it nowadays. I, I, yeah, it seems like it would be really, really hard. But mm. Someone out there will figure it out and do it. Yeah, but once you go around and you do what you guys have done, then you can look back and see how there's some things you could have done differently. It's the same as us when we made the film. We had a, a loose idea of what we wanted to do, but then when we were there, we just kind of winged it. Mm. Yeah, so you can't really have a firm plan quite often mm. unless you've got tons and tons of money. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And what musicians are at yours and ours in in April when it happens? Ah, uh, it's been so long that I've even thought of. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember who's playing. The They're Australian actually, bands. yeah, all, all Australian bands. Can't get any international bands here. No, there's there's new Benny from New Zealand's coming over. Um, so hopefully she'll be able to come and go. Um, the rest are all rest are all Australian. Is there any good ones on there worth talking about? <laughs> I'm a festival now. I don't even know. I know Tones and I is headlining. Tones and I is headlining it. Yeah. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes anyway, so yeah, people can look at it and that, where people can buy tickets. Yeah. Yeah, because it's yeah. Let's we got to be confident that it's going to happen. Yes, we're we're very confident it's going to be happening. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, is there anything that you guys would, would say to people who potentially will be coming to this gig or might be thinking of doing something in music or sustainability that they should know? Any wisdom? Um, Must be a fair bit of wisdom after 10 years of... Yeah, yeah. I think maybe, yeah, if you, if you come into anything without having too many expectations and just treat every kind of experience or every step of the way with 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 good good nature and, and um try and have a little bit of fun then you'll probably get the most most out of it whether it's the next gig or mm. volunteering at a, a beach cleanup day or mm. even just talking to somebody who doesn't dress the same way as you do or, or looks a little strange you never really know what what people are up to unless you talk to them and, mm. and figure it out like um yeah, save a bit of, yeah. Listen to people. Yeah. And I like what you said there about expectations because that's the the equation for happiness is um, reality minus expectations. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, there you go. And yeah. then the, the less of the expectations yeah. you have, the more space more you have space for, happiness. for happiness. I should probably yeah. start applying that to my life in general. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dal. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, well, Thanks heaps for for coming out, and let's let's hope that this festival happens yeah. in April. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks for having us, Paul. Yeah, what yeah. a pleasure, and and also too, thanks for obviously pushing on with this sustainability and and doing all that bin diving. Oh, of course. Bin, <laughs> are, you bin back, are you coming back this year? We haven't talked about that. We, you <laughs> do it. So you're asking, you're asking me on air? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of course, I'll be back. Still got my flappy. It's in the car. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Got to protect that neck from the sunburn. See that yeah. long. 
thin <laughs> yeah. yeah, that wrinkled black skin. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Paul. Legends. In that position, would you do the same? Well, the hand goes into the honey pot. You lick your fingers. It's just the rules of this game. If you want to learn more about yours and ours and attend the next festival happening in 2021, jump on to yours and ours website, their Facebook page or Instagram and you can book your tickets. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fair Food Forager and Friends show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe where you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review it and share it with your friends. Thanks again to Ash Groomwald for his music. This is Out of Time from his album Trouble's Door. See you next time. Bye.